0: Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. Fruit tree expert Ed Livo of TomorrowsHarvest.com returns with another sweet treat of a winner for fabulous Fruit Fridays. It's the Golden Sweet Apricot, a tasty fruit that can be grown throughout most of the country all the way down to USDA Zone 5. Plus, we have fruit tree planting tips for you, tips that will help ensure the success of your new fruit tree or fruit bushes. It's all on episode 86 of the Garden Basics podcast, brought to you by Smart Pots and Tomorrow's Harvest, and we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. It's Fabulous Fruit Friday. What does Ed Livo of TomorrowsHarvest.com have for us? I think it's a tasty apricot. Is that right, Ed? Yep, you bet, Fred.
1: We got an apricot today. And man, one of the best apricots because it's probably one of the most adaptable apricots. And boy, an apricot growing, that's what you want. You
0: want adaptability. As far as soil goes, as far as water goes, as far as climate goes. And I think uh, this particular apricot might have a lot of adaptability. It,
1: it is. And it's, you know, primarily it's with, you know, the climate adaptability because apricots are so early blooming that they really are susceptible to all kinds of inclement weather, you know, that comes up um, unexpectedly. And there's a number of different varieties of apricots that have, have this physiological, ability to be able to almost stop blooming when the weather gets bad so but many apricots don't they just bloom right through you know a hailstorm and that's it you're wiped out for the year and you can go years without getting any apricots
0: just because the weather was bad in the spring but the golden sweet apricot it doesn't suffer like that, does it? No, the golden sweet apricot has that ability to be able
1: to kind of shut down when the weathers get bad. Or, you know, even when we even notice that when the temperatures start to drop unexpectedly, like say you start to get extra cold nights, that that seems to slow down the blossoming process as well. So what what that does is that pretty much ensures that every year you're going to get a really good crop of golden sweet apricots. And man, these guys are delicious i mean they're they're not just an apricot that does well like so many varieties that currently are being used like in zone five and that are they'll set fruit but the fruit isn't that good but as a matter of fact golden sweet man oh man i mean it's a it's a great tasting piece of fruit too as well as being a great setter in these marginal climates and as well as apricot country as well that's tremendous
0: and it ripens when in june and july yeah. Yeah. It's
1: an early ripener. You know, we we call it an early riper. Most most apricots are, of course, um, early ripeners. And uh, yeah, this is a June ripening variety.
0: The golden sweet apricot is hardy down to USDA zones five. Zone five is basically the colder parts of Idaho, uh, parts of eastern Nevada, parts of Utah. But looking at Wyoming, Nebraska, Iowa, southern wisconsin and into the northeast that, that's kind of zone five zone six is below that a little bit warmer zone seven below that yep. that, that would be south of the mason dixon line zone eight would be uh, and sort of the highway 20 corridor as i'm looking at the map here and uh, here in uh, california where we are in zone nine why isn't zone nine included for this apricot i feel left out <laughs> Well, I'll
1: tell you what, it is, and we'll update that too, because this is a new apricot. This apricot's only been around for about, about 15 years. And so consequently, you know, it's a recent introduction. And when this was first put up, I mean, that that's it was really um, directed at these colder climates and thought to be real good in those colder climates. But no, it does incredibly well in zone nine. I mean, we have them at the nursery. We're zone nine and they uh, they do tremendous there. We get tremendous crops to be exact. One of my assistants has a beautiful tree, golden sweet on the side of her house, and it just sets a tremendous crop every year.
0: There is a commercial farm in uh, the Sacramento San Joaquin Delta in the town of Brentwood called Frog Hollow Farm, and they grow the the golden sweet apricot. And and they say it is one of the uh, best apricots for making a conserve. I'm not sure what a conserve is, but it's great for making a conserve. And and if it's Frog
1: Hollow, it's good. You know, I mean Al and and the people at Frog Hollow do a wonderful job of putting together some great foods and and serve up some wonderful fruits out of their orchards. What a great way to enjoy uh, golden sweet! Because I'm sure that the the folks at Frog Hollow sell that in in boxes uh, during its harvest season as well. One of the things about golden sweet that I should add is that it's it's got a tremendously long harvest. So. It really it it could be almost considered a, a um um an early to late variety because it hangs for so long you can pick it for weeks mm. so that's an that's another really important aspect that
0: uh, needs to be pointed out. From what I understand, it's it might be a bit smaller than some other apricots, but it makes up for that with rich flavor.
1: Yeah, you know, again, I I think I think it's an average size apricot. That would be that my my opinion and and I tell you what I've known this variety almost since it first came out because of a really dear friend of mine uh who used to run the Santa Clara Master Car- Master Gardeners Uh, Nancy Garrison, wonderful woman, um, had a tremendous influence over over many, many, many gardeners down in the Bay Area in San Jose for years and years. And she's moved to Hawaii now. She's the one who introduced me to Golden Sweet long before I was a virtual nursery employee. But she actually said, hey, this is setting fruit in an area down here in San Jose where I don't get any fruit on apricots at all. I can't grow them, but it sets every year. So that's where I first started kind of uh, seeking out whether or not this thing really was that good. And sure enough, I bought some trees, planted them out in some different areas, and yep, it was that good.
0: <laughs> and what's nifty, too, is you don't have to peel it. You can just uh, cut it vertically in half and take out the pit, and you're good to go.
1: You're good to go. Yeah, that's right. That's all apricots. But, you know, the, the Blenheim sets the standard for all apricots, and you know, the Golden Sweet, um, while maybe not not the, the quality of a Blenheim, you can't grow a Blenheim anywhere. That's the problem with a Blenheim. Blenheims are restricted. And so a Golden Sweet is delicious and looks sort of Blenheim-like because Blenheim is a smaller to medium-sized apricot as well. So it's the next best thing to a Blenheim. Mm.
0: <laughs> it's the golden sweet apricot find out more about it at tomorrowsharvest.com a presentation of Birchell nursery uh, there's a little trick with uh, pruning apricot trees that i wish more people knew about and it also is true for cherries as well and that's the pruning season for apricots and cherries
1: yeah don't prune them don't prune them in the winter time that's very important because they're very prone to diseases that are prevalent in the wintertime. Best time to plant and prune an apricot. For the home gardener, it's just size control and use summer pruning as your primary means of size control. Um, the commercial guys will prune apricots and cherries in the latter part of the, of the uh, summer, but. You know, for home gardeners, apricots are very, very vigorous growers. And so consequently, um, when you're trying to size control them in the first couple of years, you're going to get you got to be aggressive. You're probably in there probably pruning maybe three times a year to really control the size and at the same time develop the structure of the tree. But as the tree reaches a mature age, surprisingly enough, it slows down that vigor and starts to become more of a oh you want to keep me at this size i guess i'll stay there
0: <laughs> and, and keep on producing yeah yeah and
1: keep on producing as well yeah and, and for summer pruning remember you know when you're summer pruning you know every cut you make that next limb that comes out is next year's fruiting wood so it it, it really works in the bent to benefit the novice novice gardener as well you don't have to be a pruning expert you just have to realize that you know you've got to keep the tree size controlled but cherries and and apricots absolutely uh aren't rec- it's not recommended to prune them during the winter time at all
0: as the weather is warming now in usda zones eight and seven and six you're going to start seeing more and more fruit trees at your local nursery i would suggest that before you buy a fruit tree do a little homework first and not the least of which uh it's the it's the uh, big rule of real estate. It's the big rule of gardening. Location, location, location. What sort of location do most deciduous fruit trees like?
1: Most fruit trees, deciduous fruit trees are always going to prefer prefer a full sun location. Um, that that's probably one of the most important considerations. So it's, it's a really frequently asked question. For me, and that would be, you know, how uh, you know how much sun does a fruit tree require, and and I'd say, you know, really eight hours is ideal. And if you want to have good sweet fruit, eight hours is ideal. And I really prefer that that eight hours be the morning sun, um, favor the morning sun, and and not the afternoon sun because the morning sun is the drying sun, so it helps to dry the leaves out real quick. It helps to avoid. Uh, diseases that are prevalent in area, especially in areas that are quite moist to begin with, um, that morning sun really helps to dry those trees out early, and I, I I like that a lot. And then definitely when you get into the drier climates, you know, protection from that afternoon sun um, to keep the trees from sunburning and keep your keep your fruit from getting fried on the tree, like happened last year to apricots here.
0: You have very thorough instructions on the uh, TomorrowsHarvest.com site about how to care for all of the uh, fruit trees that you have available. And it seems like there is a common thread that I see as far as uh, planting and care. And that is that most deciduous fruit trees like fast draining soil.
1: That's the second most important thing after choosing a location that has plenty of sunlight. And that is you know, drainage, you know, the the drainage is is going to be the determining factor as to whether your tree, you know, thrives or struggles or dies. And it's the number one reason that people lose trees in the landscape. It's usually due to poor draining soils. And surprisingly enough, it's not often that it's caused by you overwatering. Usually it's caused by winter rains, that leave the tree's root completely immersed for the entire winter time. Then as the tree comes out in the spring, the roots have been compromised and possibly even diseased. And the tree then starts to wilt in the spring when it's pushing because the root system has been compromised. And what's the first thing that you do when you see that tree wilting? Oh, of course, you give it water. <laughs> right. And, and that's exactly the problem in that, We start, you know, the cycle, we we continue the cycle that's already damaged this tree's roots in the spring by using water as a medicine. You never use water as a medicine. So trying to choose a location and knowing how that how the areas drain in your yard is and how your soil drains is a really, really big, important consideration.
0: There is a drought threatening California. There's a drought threatening the southwest Every place in the nation can be susceptible to a drought. I don't care where you live. There can be extended dry periods without uh, natural rainfall or uh, availability of water for some people. And you've been saying this for years, and it is so very true to adapt to situations like that. You keep saying it's not how much water does your tree need. Rather, how little water does it take to keep this tree healthy?
1: Yeah. 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 I've been saying that for many years and, and it, and it actually, you know, is a a thing that you should take to heart because it not only just for being a responsible person in a drought, in drought prone areas or in areas where, you know, of course there, there's drought stress threatening us, but just for them from, from the standpoint of becoming familiar with how much water your tree needs so that it grows healthy and, and doesn't struggle, um, with wet, dry, wet, dry situations or with, you know, too much standing water around the root system for excessive amounts of time or or as a matter of fact, you know, even in some areas where it drains so fast that, you know, watering, um, deep watering and watering um, infrequently aren't a good idea. Um, our our good friend, Robert Corrick, of course, his recommendations, um, I think, apply to, to areas like that where more frequent watering is probably more beneficial in in excessively fast draining soils. And I like some of his philosophies based on uh, these really fast draining soils like we have in the Central Valley.
0: Yeah, let's point out, though, that Robert Corrick is applying very little water in his regular watering regimen. So Correct. He, he is not uh, drowning the plants by any stretch.
1: No, no, and, and, and important. He's, he's also incorporating mulch, you know, things he's doing everything he can to conserve and keep the tree's roots protected from the, from the climate, you know, and so, for instance, you know, mulch acts in so many different ways and probably one of the. Two most important is that, of course, it keeps the root cool in the hottest parts of the summertime, and that and secondly <laughs> it slows down the evaporation from the uh from the in the surface <clears throat> layer of soil and and that's important because that's where the primary feeder root is, and that's where the tree is taking up most of its nutrients and so you really don't want that to go wet, dry wet, dry, wet, dry because that'll definitely affect the health and vigor of the tree.
0: Mulch also controls weed outbreaks. It also moderates soil temperature. and as it breaks down, it's feeding the soil. When was the last time you fertilized your fruit trees? I don't fertilize my fruit trees. <clears throat> While you're I, feeding I just, them, how are you feeding them? i'm I,
1: I mulch. I have wood chips. Uh, probably my wood chips are probably maybe six, eight inches deep now. i'm and and I'm talking about a decomposed layer probably down of four four inches. Uh, down. Um, so I'm probably about eight inches. Yeah, at least eight inches deep now, around my. And the the my feeder root of my fruit trees have actually grown up into the mulch.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised, and I would be also uh, not amazed if you said that when you moved out to where you live now and you dug in the soil, uh, you didn't find any earthworms. But now, when you dig after years of mulching, there's all sorts of earthworms.
1: Oh, there are, and moles and gophers too. I'm I'm afraid. Oh, sorry. <laughs> But no, there. Yeah. When I, I I live um, at the base of an old silica mining uh, community where actually I have, I have um, veins of silica that run through my yard. It's, it's um, sand that almost is like talcum powder. You couldn't tell the difference between it and talcum powder, um, except for when you push it on a glass, it doesn't smudge, it separates. So that's, it's incredible stuff. But It definitely doesn't
0: have any organic matter in it.
1: (laughs) And so, yeah, it took me years. It took me years to to build up my soils.
0: So if people do have slow draining soils, if it seems consistently muddy, I guess if you can't go down, uh, you, you go up. You do, yeah. Mounding is probably the most
1: common recommendation. I'm not a big fan of mounding because mounds settle so easily. Um, and so with a mound, you know, if you want a mound that's going to settle to 12 inches high, you want to make sure that that mound's 24 inches high and probably out a good four feet to begin with and then just plant your tree right in the center of the mound um, because that should settle down to between 12 and 15 inches as the soil settles. But but I much rather prefer you know um, just a raised bed and and a raised bed can be made out of any number of different types of material. I mean, uh, through the years I think I've made raised beds out of just about everything. And um, but you know most common is going to be like two by twelve redwood or <clears throat> cedar or something like that, three foot square and you know you can plant you know one tree in a in it. You could plant a number of trees if you chose. <laughs> <We've>, <laughs> Don't get me started. Okay. Yeah, no no no, that's a whole other that's a whole other show. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh now do you use any soil amendments at all around your fruit trees other than mulch? <clears throat> no, I but I but I'm a huge composter. I I I have my
1: own compost bins and I make my own compost and I incorporate the compost into my my mulch and top dressings usually. Uh I, and when you're planting especially um you know if you do a soil test and your soil test determines that you really need to incorporate some organic matter into the soil or if you got straight silica here you could do it. I'm not a fan of it. The reason why I'm not a fan of it is simply because the tree's got to live in the environment that you're planting it in. And and if I dig a hole and I put a whole bunch of good stuff into that hole, it's, the studies have shown that what the root will do is actually stay confined to that hole. Why would it want to leave? It's got all the good things in the world there. So the root doesn't necessarily develop outwardly into the surrounding soils to create a nice balanced root system, you know, in a timely fashion. And so, I'm really for, you know, forever, I've been a fan of just plant it in the soil. If it's not going to make it, I want to know early on. If there's a problem, I want to know early on.
0: I know the golden sweet apricot tree is self-fertile, but here's a description I see in a lot of allegedly self-fertile trees. It does better if it has a friend nearby.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's true. You know, it'll be true for golden sweet. I'm sure I've never really done the study firsthand to be able to tell you that. But, um, I, I'm sure it'd, it, it would be the case, but golden sweet is really, really, really precocious. It sets young and it sets an enormous crop and, and with not anything else around. And like, like I said, my, my, my colleague, um, at work, she, hers is enormous and there's nothing else around hers, it just sits out by the street. And I think it feeds probably half of the neighborhood as well as she makes her jams and jellies and and then brings baskets into work so that, you know, we all become Golden Sweet fans together. So
0: <laughs> it, it's the Golden Sweet Apricot, one of the best apricots you can find. It's dependable in several different climates. USDA Zones 5, through nine 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 okay good five through nine yes. that means i can get one you can all right <laughs> and uh it, if you love to can apricots then you want the golden sweet apricot tree from tomorrowsharvest.com a service of virtual nursery We always like to talk fruit trees with Ed Livo, especially on Fabulous Fruit Fridays. Ed, let's do it again next Friday. Hey, always a pleasure, Fred. And uh, we
1: definitely look forward to getting together again next Fabulous Fruit Friday.
0: Smart Pots are the original award winning fabric planter. They're sold worldwide. Smart Pots are proudly made 100% in the USA. Smart Pots are also BPA free. There's no risk of chemicals leaching into the soil, your herbs, vegetables, and other edibles. That's why organic growers prefer Smart Pots. Smart Pots' breathable fabric creates a healthy root structure for plants. Smart pots come in a wide array of sizes and they can be reused year after year. If a frost or freeze is in the forecast, Moving your frost tender plants that are in the smart pots that have handles makes them even easier to move closer to the house for added warmth, or you could even move them inside. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information about the complete line of smart pots, lightweight fabric containers. It's smart pots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred for more info and that special farmer Fred discount on your next smart pot purchase. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast has a lot of information posted at each episode. Transcripts, links to any products or books mentioned during the show, and other helpful links for even more information. Plus, you can listen to just the portions of the show that interest you. It's been divided into easily accessible chapters. And you're going to find more information about how to get in touch with us. You can leave an audio question without making a phone call. You do it via SpeakPipe. Go to speakpipe.com gardenbasics garden basics. It's easy. Give it a try. If you're listening to us via Apple Podcasts, put your question in the ratings and review section. You can text us questions and pictures or leave us your question at 916-292-8964. That's 916-292-8964. And you can email us, fred at farmerfred.com. And please tell us where you're from because that'll help us greatly accurately answer your garden questions. Because after all, all gardening is local. In the show notes, you'll find links to all our social media outlets. That includes Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Also, you'll find a link to the FarmerFred.com website. And thanks for listening. Weather means that fruit trees and berry bushes are soon going to spring to life with the promise of tasty, nutritious, fresh fruit for you and your family. So what are you waiting for? A website with more information? All right, here it is: tomorrow'sharvest.com. It's your go-to site for a complete line of backyard fruit trees and bushes. Tomorrow's Harvest Fine Line of Fruit Trees is the result of 75 years of developing, testing, and growing. For well over that time, three generations of the Birchell family have been at the forefront of research and development of plants of the highest quality. All of these come in plantable paper pots, ready for you to stick directly in the ground, pot and all. Look for tomorrow's harvest fruit trees, such as the golden sweet apricot, at better retail nurseries. And if your favorite nursery doesn't carry any of tomorrow's harvest fruit, nut, and berry varieties, you can order them directly from tomorrowsharvest.com. Let the Birchall family's three generations of experience take root in your home orchard, landscape, and garden. It's Tomorrow's Harvest, goodness you can grow. To find out more about their nutritious and delicious fruit and nut varieties, visit tomorrowsharvest.com. We are approaching the time of the year that is a very giving time for many gardeners, especially those who like to start plants from seed. Now, many of us, when we're starting plants from seed, will always probably use a few too many seeds. And what do you know? They all sprout. All of a sudden, you've got more marigolds and tomatoes and zinnias and pepper plants than you know what to do with. What do we do with them? Well, we usually give them to our friends and neighbors, our fellow gardeners, or people who want to try gardening. That's very kind of you. And you know something? You may be helping yourself as much as you're helping somebody else. Recently, in the Mayo Clinic newsletter, there was an article called The Art of Kindness, By Steve Siegel. He's with the Behavioral Health Department of Mayo Clinic, and he wrote about how the act of giving kindness is simple, free, positive, and healthy. He writes that kindness has been shown to increase self-esteem, empathy, and compassion, and improve mood. It can decrease blood pressure and cortisol, which is a stress hormone, which directly impacts stress levels. People who give of themselves in a balanced way also tend to be healthier and live longer. Kindness can increase your sense of connectivity with others, which can directly impact loneliness, improve low mood, and enhance relationships in general. And something else, too. It can be contagious. Looking for ways to show kindness can give you a focus activity, especially if you tend to be anxious yourself or maybe stressed in some social situations. And besides, for us gardeners, we love to share our plants. Physiologically, kindness can positively change your brain. Being kind boosts serotonin and dopamine, which are neurotransmitters in the brain that give you feelings of satisfaction and well-being and cause the pleasure reward centers in your brain to light up. Endorphins, which are your body's natural painkillers, also can be released. And it's not just how you treat other people. It's also how you extend those same behaviors and intentions to yourself as well. Think about being kinder in your own self-talk and practice gratitude. Does that sound familiar? We've talked about the benefits of being grateful for what you have. And if you have a garden, you can be grateful every day. People are really too good at verbally beating themselves up and rarely does that work as a pep talk. Rather, negativity often causes you to unravel and may even create a vicious cycle of regularly getting down on yourself. Let's face it, when you see your neighbor, you wouldn't talk to them the way you sometimes talk to yourself. So maybe instill in yourself a good neighbor policy. If you wouldn't say something to your good neighbor, don't say it about yourself. And of course, just simply asking yourself, how am I going to practice kindness today can be helpful. Well, if you're a gardener, you've got all sorts of ways to, to share the bounty of what you're growing, be it plants or plants or the products of those plants come harvest time. This positive focus is like planting positive seeds in your mind garden. Where focus goes, energy flows. And in the words of the Dalai Lama, be kind whenever possible. And it's always possible. Thanks for listening to Garden Basics with Farmer Fred, brought to you by SmartPots. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday. It's available on many podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, Stitcher, and many more. And if you're listening on Apple, please leave a comment or a rating. That helps us decide which garden topics you'd like to see addressed. And again, thank you.